Yeah, it's so good. It's so bad that it's good. That is the wrong answer, actually. <laughs> it's just a wild romp. I am feeling this. Yeah, yeah, yeah! All of them! What are you talking yourself into? I'm trying to talk myself into that. This is what this podcast is for. We're also trying to talk you into it. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends tries to talk each other, and maybe even you, into liking what we like. This episode, it's Dune. My name's Dan, and I once cried during a foreign film and missed a large portion of the plot because I couldn't read the subtitles. My name is Jimmy, and my starter Pokemon is Squirtle. My name is Jeff, and in 2001, before everyone had a flashlight in their pocket, I would keep the bottom part of a Lord of the Rings chalice I bought from Burger King by my bedside because it had two red LEDs that would provide enough light for a safe trek to the potty in the middle of the night. (laughs) You're the coolest. What movie made you cry like that? So, it was a black and white film from Poland (laughs) called Cold War. (laughs) What was this? Like two years ago. Cool. Was this at the Alamo Draft House? Nope. Oh, um, really? it won Best Foreign Film at the Oscars that year. Oh wow! I saw it in a theater, literally all by myself. There was not one other person in the. Theater. <laughs> oh, I saw Professor Marson and the Wonder Woman. Is that what it was called? Yeah, in yeah. a theater by myself. Um, so I saw Cold War in a theater at AMC. Um, it was very moving. I highly recommend the film. <laughs> the problem is, I cried. And when I cry, my glasses get fogged up. <laughs> so even after I wipe my eyes and stop crying, it was also warm in there. I believe it was summer. Mm. And my glasses would not unfog. And I was trying to take them off and squint to read the subtitles. I literally had to watch the film like a few months later when it came on Amazon Prime because I did not understand why this couple was breaking up. <laughs> That's awesome. That's pretty good. Who's your starter Pokemon, Dan? Never played Pokemon. What? What? I never. I just. I just assume that if you're my age or younger, you've played Pokemon. Nope. Who, who would you choose? Uh, so we got wow. Charmander, Squirtle, and uh, Bulbasaur. Probably either Squirtle or Bulbasaur. Oh, I'm oh, a Charmander. Go with Charmander. Yeah, no. I would. I usually pick Charmander. I always like Squirtle because he's always easiest in the beginning. Um, because you can beat the first boss with uh, Squirtle pretty easily. Charmander Char. <laughs> Honestly, the only Pokemon video game that I ever actually like spent a decent amount of time playing was Pokemon Snap. Well, at my house. Yeah. yeah the two of and us. And you like, on that. didn't even want to play it sometimes. We'd be like, let's play that game where you <laughs> yeah. take pictures. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And there's not, you don't do anything. No, you, you just take, take pictures. pictures. Yeah. There's a new one coming out next year. Oh. Hopefully if it didn't get, uh, get delayed, but sh- also shout out to uh, five star. Yeah. Shout out to five star Sean. One year when we were at Wildwood in uh, New Jersey, he won every single Pokemon like plushie <laughs> for me because I was begging and begging him to. Jimmy, I have a problem with that story What's because that? what happens in Wildwood stays in Wildwood. <laughs> oh, and sorry. you just told a story from Wildwood. <sighs> You're right. So sorry. I also got hermit crabs one year from Wildwood. Oh, we also had a I cousin. got crabs at home. <laughs> We also had a cousin who was obsessed with winning a, a Razor, Razor scooter. scooter at one of yeah. those game booths, and his mom dropped like $200, and finally she just went to a store and bought, bought him a Razor one. scooter, because <laughs> yeah. he was like refusing to leave the hotel room until he got a Razor scooter. Yeah, that was a cool Pretty year. <laughs> yeah. I bought a Charlie Brown t-shirt. Every week on the show, we talk everybody into stuff. That's the conceit of our podcast, but a smaller part, a cute part. Some people like this part, and then they turn it off. They're like, I don't care about Dune. I don't care about a book you're reading. What are the what are the fellas up to? And this is what we're up to. I'm uh it's a weird one. I've been talking myself into stairs. So, so. we're old. <laughs> yeah, so I just moved. I lived on the first floor of a building. And, uh, you know, when I go to work, it's just a straight shot in. And I realized after living at my new place, which is multi-level, uh, after my knee started hurting that I'm not used to stairs. <laughs> like, by the way, this is not where I thought this was going at all. I want you to continue, but then I want to tell, okay. tell you what I thought. You yeah. So, say. uh, just backstory for people who don't know, I have bad knees. They're arthritic. Gout. It's, it's not uh, like terrible now but like i'm i live in constant fear that i'm gonna have a flare-up and be immobile um so yeah like you know when i was moving and stuff my body's sore because i'm walking up and down the stairs carrying boxes but then this is weeks ago 
And I'm just like, you know, oh, I'm in the bedroom. I got to go get something from the kitchen. Let me go downstairs. Oh, let me go check the laundry. See if that's done in the basement. Go down there. Mm-hmm. I'm just walking up and down stairs. And then like I get to bed. And I'm like, oh, my knees ache. Why is that? And it's because of stairs. I'm not used to I don't remember the last time I've used stairs regularly. You sound like you're doing a voiceover for an old like 70s slasher horror film about stairs that kill people. You're like, stairs. but mom, my knees hurt. Stairs. Rated R coming Friday. Yeah. I just walked up the stairs. <laughs> so when I when you were like, I'm talking myself into stairs, I thought this was like the typical middle aged like man thing of like, I need to lose a few pounds. So I'm not going to take elevators anymore. I'm going to walk. Up I have stairs. no there. There's no reason for me to use an elevator. I Right. I thought you were talking about like, no at work or something there no was... it's just a straight shot in oh okay yeah jim what are you talking yourself into so this is a weird escalators one. <laughs> this is a weird one because theoretically how we're scheduling the episodes i already talked about it last week <laughs> but um hey this is jimmy to say just kidding because we rescheduled my episode this week i have been talking myself into Working on a new show called Late to the Game. Oh. Um, so last week. Hasn't he talked about this like five times? Yeah, like every time. <laughs> this is this should just be a bingo card in itself. Now it's finally gone. Now it's finally done, which is the point, is that I finally started the show with my buddy Cooper. I haven't used it as a segment yet, so that's why I'm using it, because I ran out of stuff to talk about. Um, but uh, yeah, so last week we had a whole episode uh, dedicated to my projects, which. Um, Again, just kidding. Dan really wanted to talk about Euphoria. So here we are. I don't know if Dan or Jeff were talked into <laughs> yet because we haven't recorded that episode yet. Yeah, we have not. Um, but uh, yeah, I started a new show. It was called Late to the Game. It's The concept is me talking about video games with a modern perspective. And uh, it's retro games. Well, not necessarily retro games. I think I'm going to do like a five-year cutoff. Like if it's five years older uh, or more, that's when I'm going to start talking about them. Because okay. I want to be late to the game. I want to talk about stuff that's been in my backlog for a long time so um i wanted to do it for years uh literally two years i've been wanting to do this show and um i was like i just gotta do it so um i recorded it and i was like hey cooper my buddy cooper who's a video editor as well i was like how would this be as a uh 50 50 project me working on one part and you editing it he was like yeah man i could do that i was like cool because i don't want to edit anymore (laughs) So, um, yeah, I finally did it. Well, I watched the first episode, and it was very enjoyable, and he did a good job editing. Yeah, he did a good job. And uh, that's sort of uh, what I've been working on lately. Nice. I'm working on the second episode, and by the time we're recording um, the uh, Jimmy's Projects one, we <laughs> sh- I should be done. Yeah, Guys, a little behind no, the this, scenes. This episode, Dune, is out in December. We're recording the second half of Jimmy's Projects mid-November. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be weird. To but. pull back the curtain, we're recording a little differently because we're making room for Jeff's baby. He's going to be on a... He's going to be on baby vacation. Yeah. What do they call it again? Paternity, Paternity leave. leave. Yeah. FMLA from talking me into... Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jim. I like it. Yeah. Don't ever talk about late to the game on this podcast again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Except for last week when I already did. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, what are you talking yourself into? Stairs. You're Dan, what are you it. talking yourself oh, into? Oh, Dan, sorry. <laughs> Guys, I'm talking myself into something a little strange. Uh, we all started out by saying that. Partly, <laughs> I, I, love how, I love, sorry to cut you off, but I love how Jimmy's like, this one's going to be a little weird, but I'm talking myself into everything I've ever talked myself yeah. into. <laughs> and we just devoted an entire episode yeah. last week to his Well, project. it was weird because of... No, we didn't, Dan. We did an episode on Euphoria. Scheduling's fun. That is the recording thing because we're going to be talking about that next week or sure, last Jimmy. week, whatever. Promotion whore. Sorry, wow. Jim. Sorry, Jim. Twice. Bleep out whore. I don't like it. All right. So <laughs> it's naughty to my ears. <laughs> guys, I'm talking myself into being cold. Okay. okay. Partially out of necessity and partially out of cheap? desire. Okay. Yes. The cheap part is because I do not want to run the heat yet. Right. Uh, I'm considering buying a small electric heater just to bring the te- the house up a couple of degrees. Mm, I think that's a little counterproductive. It's not. I know a lot yeah. of people who do it, and okay. it helps. I mean, I have an electric heater that I use. Okay, so then you're but really I don't dumb. Keep, I don't that's keep. a really dumb statement that he just made. <laughs> I don't do it for money. I do it for convenience. Yeah, okay. Well, either way, um, so that's one side of it. The other side of it is that I don't spend a ton of time in my house. I work all day. I do a lot of things in the evening. I spend a lot of time over my parents' house. Um, 
so a lot of the time when I'm home, I'm in bed. And when I'm in bed, I like to be cold because I like to have a Same. blanket pulled I've still like, all been the way using up. my AC. Mm. AC? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. It's I woke up today and it was bro. 44 degrees. It's really warm in my room. Open the window. Mm. Yeah, open I the window. I can't because I don't have screens. This guy. Well, you know what? I'll spend money on air conditioning. Screens. Jimmy, Jimmy, you're Jim. friends with some old men. We could get you screens in those windows. I got screens. Yeah. I, have, I got I got extra screens in my in my basement. I have big windows. Jeff so. and I will put our tool belts on. We'll install your screens. Put up a sheet. Crazy what you just said to us. That is the <laughs> most wild thing I've ever yeah. I don't He's do it talking every night. himself into late to the game every week for a year. <laughs> every week. Jimmy, he if we come back, windows. we're recording in 14 days. Don't know why I looked at the sheet because we do it every week. 14 days. Every two weeks. If your first talking me into isn't screens, <laughs> I quit. Screens. I'm done. <laughs> Well, honestly, it's a little late to the game right now to put ah, screens in. Oh, he, should, he should be putting screens in in spring now. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Wow. So air I like to be cold when I sleep. I don't run the air conditioner. <laughs> I just don't run the heat. Um, also, I like warm, cozy clothes like hoodies, sweaters. Same. I sleep in my boxers. No socks. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I with my comforter on my bed right now, it's so warm that I can usually get away with just like I sleep in like boxers and a t-shirt. A couple nights it's been cold enough that I put on like socks and pajama pants. The thing about my new place is that there's only one thermostat. So if I want my bedroom warm, yeah. I'm, I don't need to warm the living room, the, the main floor. It's, that's my situation. Too. What kind of heat do you have? Electric. Mm. Ugh. Yeah, but that's way more affordable. Yeah, but ugh. Really? I got oh, my my electric bill is fucking crazy. Sorry, Jimmy. Jimmy, but you're you don't an have an oil bill like I do. You know why it's crazy? Because you're running the air conditioner when it's yeah. 40 degrees out. Literally, he's always <laughs> either running the air conditioner or the heat because he can't open a window to regulate the temperature. No, the heat's really expensive. That's like AC's driving that with one foot on the gas and one on the brake and always touching one of the others. <laughs> idle, Jimmy. Just idle. <laughs> oh, my God. My AC is not that expensive. It's over. So just get cold, guys. Get cold. I, am I cold. came to get cold. <laughs> Okay, fellas. Oh, that's the first one all day. Yeah. So this week, um, we got a we got a weird one. We got a fun one, but uh, kind of weird in a release way. Right. Uh, I'm talking you guys into the 1965 science fiction novel Dune by Frank Herbert. Mm-hmm. The reason why I say it's weird is because I've wanted to do this book for a while, mm-hmm. and I've been holding on to it to release on this very specific date to coincide with the <laughs> film Dune. Which is coming out in 2021. Yes. Thanks, coronavirus. We've had this on our schedule. Yeah. The worst thing that ever happened because of coronavirus was that our talk me into schedule was messed up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I was, I think there was like some sort of question from Jimmy and Jeff, like, oh, should we wait? But we had already gotten so close that these guys had already started reading, I think. Yeah, I did. So I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. It's not really in the cultural zeitgeist right now, guys, but it's still a great book. What do you guys know about Dune? What's your exposure to Dune? It's uh, a book in a movie. That's all I know. It's something that I should be a huge fan of just because uh, friends I know love it and it is very well regarded, but I've never read it and I've never seen the movie. Um, I'm sort of in the same boat. Like I, I know how crazy it was when it first came out because like it inspired all these things that are really popular now. So mm. um but yeah, that's pretty much all I know about it. So Dune is a quote unquote hard sci-fi novel uh, from, yes. like I said, 1965. It predates so much sci-fi that yeah. we enjoy that was definitely inspired by Dune. Um, I did not grow up being a huge fan of Dune. I was always like aware of it like Jeff was, but had never, ever gotten around to reading it until I um, heard that they were making this movie. Uh, the original movie that Jeff referenced never really interested me. I heard it was kind of weird and not so very you've never well seen it. Never seen it. Wow. Um, but when I heard they were making this movie, which is directed by Dennis Villeneuve, I don't know how to pronounce that. Yep. Starring Timothy Chalamet, um, uh, Oscar Robertson, a lot of people that I really enjoy. Who's Oscar Robertson? Oh, that's a basketball player. That's not who I'm thinking of. Oscar Isaac. Yes, Oscar Isaac. Thank you. <laughs> Oscar Robertson played point guard for the Milwaukee Bucks in the 1970s. That would be a cool cast. Yeah. 
Uh, no, sorry. Hi, I'm Oscar Robinson. <laughs> Jeff has never heard of me, but this is how I talk. I play I'm Duke really Atreides. Um, he's not that tall. He's a point guard. Anyways, okay, um, so I got excited for this movie, and I was like, maybe I should read the book. It looks interesting. I know there's sandworms in it. So I read the book, and I fell in love with it. Guys, this is like some of the best world building you're, yeah. you're ever going to experience. This is like a series, right? There's more than just oh, one yeah. book. Um, yeah, Frank Herbert wrote a few of them. I think he wrote the first three before he passed away, and then his son continued on. Um, it takes place in the far future on other planets, but they are humans. So the mm-hmm. idea is that humanity has colonized space, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> there's this new galactic government a lot of this is going to sound like star wars but more grown up basically star wars yeah i mean star wars was inspired by it after you read this book you're going to be like oh so star wars is a kids movie version of dune cool not directly but there's like definitely elements of that so there's this intergalactic government and it's sort of based on an old-fashioned feudal system so there's lords and ladies dukes and duchesses who are in charge of planets so Jimmy's laughing. No, I was oh, I'm he, like he's he's, just he's already making fun of you. <laughs> he literally just scratched. Oh, his I arm. saw a look on his face like this is stupid, and I don't want any part of this. <laughs> no, I'm good. Uh, it's the stories of House Atreides, who at the beginning of the novel have basically been given feudal fiefdom control over a new planet. Um, they're accepting the stewardship of the planet Arrakis. Arrakis is a desert planet, which is colloquially colloquially known as Dune, because it's a desert planet. Get it? I get oh, it. I get it. Yeah, no, it makes the sense. The reason why Arrakis is important, and the reason why this is a huge promotion for the family. Oil. Close. Arrakis is the only place where spice can be mined. Ah. Spice is basically this hallucinogenic drug that most of the galaxy is addicted to, and it also directly i won't say how but so oscar robertson is a spice runner yeah okay no they're in charge they're put in charge of the planet making sure the spice is mined properly and affordably and stuff like that and it's it's a feudal system so all the people are underneath them anyways spice directly is responsible for their intergalactic space travel Mm. without spice they cannot travel through space so Mm. and it only comes from this one world so you see so how did they travel through space before they found arrakis there are locals. Oh. They're called Fremen. Fremen. I don't want to get into the whole plot, guys. I don't want to delve too okay. deeply. I want you to read it. Um, basically, Jeff, one thing huh. that you might appreciate is this actually started out as a short story that was published in Analog Magazine. Yeah, boy. And I know Jeff Fs with Analog Magazine. Yo, I F with it. Whore. So if you went back to 1965... You could read Dune. I'm sure that that issue is probably very difficult to obtain now. Right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I have some older issues. My life bought me. So, guys, uh, it's sort of like an intergalactic uh, ham. Uh, is it Hamlet or Macbeth? Wow. My Shakespeare is definitely off. But it's about a young son uh, who's rising to manhood. It's a bit of a coming of age story, Jim. <laughs> it's Thanks, also it's also got elements of like prophecy he's uh he's sort of like a chosen one type um messianic figure uh there's a, a power struggle for the planet and for the spice and uh the framen are these like weird um local tribesmen who have a connection with the land that these interlopers do not understand these offworlders and uh they have a connection with shai halud the giant the worms. Oh. So so the book Dune is split into three mini novels. Right. And I am encouraging you guys to read the first of these three, which is called Dune, aptly titled. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Jeff, I don't know if you're listening to the audiobook or you I, want to. I, I, I got it. Uh, I really enjoyed listening to the audiobook. I thought the production was was done really well, uh, and it helped me get through some of the... There's a lot of difficult language in this. Mm. Um, we'll talk in the second half where I'll, the derivation of a lot of these ideas and language comes from and stuff, but I think you guys will get enough from this first third of the book that you'll want to continue and that you'll be excited for the movie. Is the movie okay. um, about just the first like section, or is it about all of it? It's definitely... 
the first book, Dune, is going to be split into two movies, but we don't know exactly where that division is going to mm. be. The rumor is that the first Dune film will actually only cover this first third of the book. Okay. That where you guys are going to stop reading is where the first movie is going to end. So I should be good for the movie if that's yeah. the case. Okay. And I think you'll want to keep reading the book after this. We'll see. So when we come back, we're going to be talking about the first sub-novel of Dune, which is called Dune, and we're going to be spoiling it. Okay. Sounds good. Powerful. Dune, disc one, (laughs) is how I listen to this. (laughs) It's funny because Jimmy and I both listened to it on Audible, so we had a very different... uh, Yes, and I had downloaded it from a source on the internet that was eight discs and at the end of every disc it was like thus concludes disc six of dune and then it repeats so it goes dune disc six so <laughs> so, so we're gonna be spoiling yes. yes book one of dune book one of dune which is also called dune dune, dune. not to make it any more complex dune. yeah dune. so uh uh jimmy and jeff yes let's get into it all right so Dune is a sci-fi novel. Yeah, we written, established that. Written by Frank Herbert. Yep, we know. Um, so it, it's it takes place with this uh, basically like a family family of like royalty kind of. Yep. Um, which is it's very an intergalactic feudal system. House of yeah. Trades. Yeah. Oh yeah. The noble Dune. House of Trades. You're better at this than I am because I don't know any of the words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, off podcast we both text and like hey we don't know these words so this might be a difficult <laughs> yeah. conversation i know moadib yeah it's, like i was also like, saying like i was looking it up i was like oh that's how they spell moadib yeah so uh as you said it's the noble house of trades yep they're on their home planet caladan which is like a water planet mm-hmm. i keep uh, thinking kaladesh from magic whenever they say it and i was like that's cool oh yeah that's probably where magic got it from it might be that's very true actually uh, so they basically they, they kind of get like selected to uh, uh, be in charge of this planet. Yep. Basically. Arrakis. Yeah. Called Arrakis. Mm-hmm. And um, so they have to go there. And um, so the family is uh, Paul, the son, uh-huh. uh, who's 15. And uh, the mother, Jessica. Yep. Who we find out is basically like a witch. Kind of. Uh, well, first of all, she's important to note. She's she's his mother. Yes, but she's not married to his father. She is a a concubine. She's his, I mean, she's his kept woman, basically. Okay. Uh, she's part of the Benny Gesserit, which is what you're referring to, Jimmy. Which yep. is uh, that's how you spell Benny Gesserit? Yeah, I thought Benny Gesserit was a jazz player. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's like B E N E. Yeah, it's yeah. the Italian Bene. So they're like an all female order of yep. like uh women who are trained from birth mm-hmm. to uh basically use these enhancements like they have sort of powers mm-hmm. and they're also in charge of like breeding programs. Like they are sort of Okay. uh the Bene Gesserit keep track of the noble bloodlines and mm-hmm. they uh, sort of send women out from their ranks to like bear children or, or you know like different things like that so lady jessica is of the benning jesuit and yes she became the the concubine of uh leto yes, yes. duke leto at leto atreides leto duke jared leto yes cool. so when the book opens up the family and all their you know staff and sworn swords and stuff are like um Gathering all their stuff from Caladan and getting ready to to go to Arrakis, mm-hmm. and then um, I think in the I don't remember if it was in the very beginning or not, but um, uh, Paul goes through this basically like a trial. Yes, um, where the trial or the training, the trial yeah. where he he had, he puts his hand in a box to find out if he's human or not. Okay, so this is called the trial of the Gonjabar. Okay. Which is the uh, supreme mother of the Bene Gesserit, who's like the head of that order. Yep. Um, basically, Lady Jessica has been training Paul mm-hmm. in yeah. the ways of the Bene Gesserit, which is unheard of because he's not he's a woman. A he's man. a boy. Right. Uh, but she convinces the the mother of the Bene Gesserit to, to come to Caladan and um, give him this test. Yep. Which, as Jimmy alluded to, is you put your hand in this box and mm-hmm. you're going to experience massive pain. amount of pain. Yeah. 
Um, but you have to overcome that mm-hmm. because if you withdraw your hand or you flinch away, you a bitch. Well, you're gonna die. Yeah, yeah. she holds a poison needle <laughs> to his throat. Yeah, and that's the which is uh, crazy. Gonjibar. I thought I would bring that up though because that's a very prominent part of the trailer of the movie. So I'm assuming it's gonna be a big part of the story in general. Yeah, and it it's important because uh, as we find out throughout the book. Paul is sort of becoming this chosen one type figure. Yeah. And what makes him that is he is the only person ever to represent two orders, which never cross because they're based on gender lines. Mm. So he's a mentat, which are only men. Right. Who are like human supercomputers. Yep. And he's a Bene Gesserit. That's what this test proves. Yep. That he's quote unquote human and the rest of the people are animals. That's the way they defined it. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's important because this is showing him that he actually, this is showing us that he has these gifts. He has these abilities. Mm-hmm. He's still learning, but they're in him. Yeah. So, um, after that, that's when they go to the planet Arrakis. Yep. Um, which, uh, Wait, we- where do they start out on? Caladan. Caladan. Oh, that's right. That's, I thought that's for some from. reason, I thought that they were going to the other. Yeah. We no. Good. We good. Yep. They're on Arrakis. And Caladan uh, is lush and beautiful and vibrant and well it's also like rainy and stuff too it's very wet planet yeah yeah which is the opposite of a desert planet yeah wow which is where spices mind which is this uh this sort of hallucinogenic uh drug slash what people just like put in their food and stuff yeah which is pretty interesting i thought it was cool the way that they described it how it's kind of like different for everybody like there's yep. not yeah. one same effect and yeah every I time you like take to, it it could be different too right. so you don't really know what you're gonna get but to paul it smells like cinnamon yeah and stuff like that um, it's kind of like cilantro some people think it tastes like soap yeah it is <laughs> yeah, kind of like those, that. those great wars of uh coriander yeah um so uh we sort of find out that that's basically like the the whole why it's such a big deal that they get selected for this planet because like it's basically like the the hive minds for all of uh like uh their economy and stuff because yeah. this is such a big deal. Not only is it like a drug that all rich people want to use, mm-hmm. it's also necessary as I said in the first part of this episode to navigate space. Oh the, right. The right. space guild, the guild navigators are like superhuman people who are super amped up on spice mm-hmm. and it allows them to see through space and time. Yeah. I did kind of like the way that uh we learn about that. It's through Paul's eyes cuz yeah. he's he's yeah. kind of like how come you don't want to like tra-? they were kind of trading planets essentially or like yeah. um right. power of the planets. Yep. Um like you know Caladan is lush and has water and like arrakis doesn't have anything like water is like this huge like there's this it's one essential part, yeah there's one part later where they were just gonna like you know get rid of people's waters like kind of like a death cult kind of thing right like they were just like sacrificing the water and like the water holds so much power to them how come you don't want this and then you find out about the melange and how like they care more about making money from this drug and this one resource and it's like way more important than anything else ever and it, there are parallels to real world whenever i read sci-fi especially from this time like you know mm. if if you think about a desert and you think about the middle east and the resources there like it doesn't look like there's much there but underground right there's money baby and especially early on you're talking about like affluent western white civilization yeah. invading this desert culture to mine their resources mm-hmm. and they probably didn't really want to go live in the desert Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, There's also a subplot running underneath all this, which um, I don't know if you guys picked up on. It definitely becomes more prominent later. But there's a lot of tension during this move in this early period of the chat of the book, Mm -hmm. um, because they're not just going to Arrakis, which is like this ungoverned, uninhabited planet. Uh, They're taking over from another house. Yeah. And this is House Harkonnen, who are the sworn mortal enemies of the Atreides and they were in charge of Arrakis and the Padishah Emperor who is the head of this intergalactic government has decided to put you know to move them and uh, we don't really find out why but they've been relinquished Uh, we find out sort of it's implied that he was forced to give the Atreides um, a bigger stake of prominence because they have a lot of supporters among lesser houses and lesser planets. Mm -hmm. So basically like, um, think of the Atreides as Obama 
at the 2004 DNC. They're like this, <laughs> this young upstart that everyone likes and everyone's talking about. And even though they're like, haven't been really important before, you know, the establishment is forced to sort of like acknowledge them. And that's why they get picked for, uh, for Arrakis. Yeah. So there's a lot of nerves because people don't trust, uh, Oh man, I'm already starting with the names. Uh, the Harkonnen. People don't trust. They don't trust the Harkonnen. They think this is a setup. They think that they're going to get there, and the Harkonnen are, you know, they're not going to want to give up all this wealth. So it's going to be a trap. There's already uh, a warning that possibly like there's going to be an assassination attempt on Duke Leto. Yeah, stuff like that. But um, basically, uh, they go on the on the journey, and they end up in Arrakis. Yes, which is a pretty unforgiving place. Those are a lot of the the big th- themes of the book you mentioned, but there's some cool stuff along the way. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly where it was, but just the fact that like, because um, these are humans in the future and like uh, there's one Bible that like still exists. And yeah. I, I like the way that the they, orange Catholic Bible. Yeah. Like, oh, this paper Bible that exists. Um, and they do paint a picture, even with like the ornithopters. I keep mentioning that like. Mm. It's futuristic, but also I always just keep thinking of like cyberpunky Da Vinci, mm. Da Vinci sketches mm. of like his ornithopter. And yeah. I haven't seen the original movie, so I don't know what this looks like. So I have no, you know, pre-existing context, context to I, what I this agree looks with like. You, so, so there was a lot of description. I mean, there is so much verbosity and a lot of like weird words and names and political intrigue in here that can get dense but in that they do paint this cool picture of like this retro futuristic yeah exactly retro futurism Mm. which you uh, could definitely see also there's a big sequence of paul in his weapons training that's what i thought jimmy was talking about before that scene was cool i was thinking Mm. like it's it's also a fantasy Mm -hmm. you know i was thinking about like uh aria training there's a lot of Game of Game Thrones of stuff yeah. here. Yeah. I mean, Especially all... with the intrigue between the houses. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is from the 60s, but like also Wheel of Time, which was inspired by Lord of the Rings, too. There's a lot of similarities there with like the women being the powerful ones and like men have never done this. So this whole retrofuturism thing um, was created by the writer as a way to make sense of a world where technology has gone too far. I love technology. technology. <laughs> so uh, like... I don't know if you guys picked up on this. It's 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 not in there a lot yet, but in the history of this world, there has been something called the Butlerian Jihad. Does that sound familiar to you? Yes, at all? the Butt Jihad. No, the Butlerian Jihad was basically uh, Terminator. It was uh, a, a race that. of uh, AI rose up against humanity, and humans oh, yeah. had to defeat yeah. them. And that's why there's no computers in this world. Uh, they outlawed all artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. and that's why we have mentats mentats are basically human beings that were forced to evolve to become Mm. computers so duke leto and all the leaders of great houses are given mentats there's also like little drones that fly around too. add some little spice to this yeah some melange but um (laughs) that's also why like their weapons too um technology for weapons has increased so far that they literally like cancel each other out Mm -hmm. so it's like they talk about having atomic weapons but they can't fire them because everyone has atomic weapons yeah so they become almost like a relic of your namesake like oh the house atomics Mm. they're representative of your power but they can never really be used there's also this thing where there's lasers but people have personal shields and when you fire a laser at a shield it causes feedback and both the user and the wearer dies yeah. So they don't really do that. So what we see in the weapons training is they're literally still using like swords and knives yeah. and stuff like that, which is pretty interesting. That is really interesting. I never really I, I didn't pick up on all that. I mean, like we were talking about before, Jeff and I listened to audiobooks, and um, I think that was a little bit to my detriment um, because like I can't go back and like re reread yeah. stuff. Um, so I'm I'm sort of just like going along and sort of getting like the big plot points. Um, Although I, I did find a lot of it enjoyable, um, I was lost a lot of the time just because of like how the book is written and like the production. And there's there was a little confusion. I text Dan privately like, hey, are there chapters in here? Because this audiobook isn't saying chapters. And he's like, 
No, they're just kind of broken up by the Princess Arlon's diary entries and, yeah. you know, end when it says this. And I found where it ended. But, like, chapters help a lot just with, yeah. like, finding places to right. reflect on what you just read or listen to. I mean, I agree. But this was also written at a time where there was no other way to consume it than yeah. looking at the book. Right, right, right. So I'm sure he just thought this was an interesting way to pace it. Yeah. I, I do want to talk about those little diary entries that break up the tableaus or the sections. So... These entries from the Princess Aralon's diaries and these writings from the story of Muad'Dib and all this stuff. So did you guys get that these were supposed to be from the future? And no. So, yes. Okay. So we're retelling the story uh, of Dune. That's yeah. why early on, like very early on, shockingly early on, one of these diary entries basically reveals how this third of the book ends. Yeah. They talk about the assassination of duke leto right yeah and how it affected that. paul and stuff like that yeah so i mean we don't have to go too insular like but basically like they arrive on arrakis um and basically they they find a portion of the planet is amenable to them being there but there's also a large portion of the population who are still loyal to the harkonnen mm-hmm. yeah and, there are uh basically the indigenous people well those are the fremen fremen right who are they did not like the Harkonnen they never yeah. were loyal to the Harkonnen but there's some question as to whether they will remain neutral or if the Atreides can convince them to join their side right and that's the goal of Leto Atreides he sees that um it's possible to harness these Fremen who are like a hardy like warrior race and there's tons of them they've never officially been counted they're like these nomadic desert people but he's like if we could create an army full of them we would be unbeatable. Like, we could rival the, the right. Padishah Emperor himself. So there's this dichotomy of them trying to court the Fremen and understand their culture. There's a lot of this stuff going on. There's a huge section of the book that's in, all revolved around this dinner party. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a very long section. Yeah. That That's kind all of like a, intrigue. Yeah, it, it's an info dump, and it's 100% just political inner workings. Yeah, it's about who... You know, who believes who, who is who they say they are, things like that. Um, I just, that part really lost me just because it was so dense and back and forth and yeah. listening to it. I mean, I guess even reading it, you're just like, wait, who's talking? What's what's going on? Who are these people? So there's a couple other big set pieces that happen that I want to get to. Um, the first one is the assassination attempt against Paul Atreides uh, in his bedroom. What'd you guys think of that section with a uh, hunter the hunter drone. seeker? Right. Yeah. Oh, is that the drone you were talking That's about? That's what Jeff? I was talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, so the way it's described is, is like a very small, like, um, that's super terminal. Like an, an arrow basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically like a drone that's shaped like an arrow and it will just like kill anything that moves. Mm. Um, so Paul was like laying in bed and it came out and he like froze and then a serving person came to the door and he realized that it was going to kill her. Mm-hmm. So he used that opportunity and literally snatched the thing out of the ground yep. and smashed it, uh, sp- snatched it out of the air and smashed it into the ground. And that's how he survived. Um, but as we found out in the diary entry, that whole assassination attempt was really just a ruse. It was meant to make the Atreides think that that was the real attempt mm-hmm. and have oh. them like relax. Yeah. Like, oh, we got it. We figured it out. Yeah. Um, but that, I thought that was a cool scene. What did you guys think of that? Yeah. I, I honestly, any bit of action in this book, I was excited yeah, for because, <laughs> really? uh, it, it was a pretty slow book. Um, not, not to the, the section that you read. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's, a, there's like literally a war coming. Okay. Well, um, yeah, at this point I was, yeah, I was, I was excited because there was something happening. Um, uh yeah i don't really have a lot to say about it i mean there's two fine. other big set pieces that i wanted to go over plot wise the when second the first one, shia lude shows up yeah when they they basically take a tour of the spice mining yep so it's duke leto atreides um paul gurney halleck and um this planetologist kind mm-hmm. what do you guys know about him what were you able to grasp about him i don't remember which one he was i don't know oh okay so <laughs> this- I, honestly i I'm going to say it now. A lot of the book that I did really enjoy, but a lot of it was just lost because I was listening to it while driving, you know? <sighs> Hate this. Uh, I'm sorry. This is how I had to read it. So Dr. Kind is a planetologist who was chosen by the Padishah Emperor to be, I forget it. They call him the 
the warden of the change or something, which is basically he's a moderator mm -hmm. between the Harkonnens and the uh, Atreides to make sure this transition of power goes smoothly. But he's an interesting person because he's an off-worlder, but he has the all-blue eyes of the Fremen. Okay. So we oh, know that, that guy. Yeah. So we know that he spent time with the Fremen and that he's consumed a lot of spice and he's been on planet for a long time and he's sort of this expert. So he goes on this journey with them to they like do a flyover of one of these yeah. mining things and he tells them that like um the Shai Hulud are these giant sandworms mm -hmm. that are literally attracted to spice into like sounds and human movement. So the mining of the spice, as if it wasn't already difficult to mine mm. something out of the ground. You also have to avoid these giant ass space worms. Right. right. And you yeah. basically have to be mobile because and I like how he described them and like try to give them a sense of the size of the worms. Yep. Right. And uh they're also pretty difficult to kill because each segment is independent. So you have to kill every segment at the same time if you want to kill a Shai Hulud. Mm -hmm. Um and there's this moment where their mining is about to be attacked by a worm. And you find out that due to just like mismanagement and stuff, there's supposed to be a team of people ready to take the diggers away when a worm shows up. They were just ready to leave everybody behind. Yep. And they weren't prepared. They didn't have enough troop carriers, basically. So Duke Leto Atreides like swoops down and rescues some people. Mm -hmm. And um, they like escape. And there's this cool little moment. I don't know if you guys picked up on it where they're all sort of like deriding the worms. They're like, oh, these blasted things, they ruin everything, they destroyed our equipment. And Dr. Kynes is like, thank you to the maker, the great one who brings us spice and all this stuff. He's like saying a prayer. Right. And they definitely pick up on that. Yeah. Um, and then we see a little bit more of that reverence uh, during the dinner party scene. That's the reason why I brought that up is because uh, Kynes knows more about this planet than he's letting on. Mm. And Paul uses his Bene Gesserit powers. He can tell when people are telling the truth and lying and obfuscating. Um, when his father is asking Kind if there's a way that Arrakis could become water sufficient. He's like, is there enough water to sustain the people? Mm. And Kind is like, could be. <laughs> and Paul's like, he's lying. Like, he knows that this could, this could happen. Yeah. Uh, and the last set piece I want to talk about with you guys is the big one. The big assassination. Yeah, the big assassination. Yeah. With the poison tooth. Is that the one? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So uh, really it goes before that. Um, we met this doctor. He's sort of like the family doctor. And and I got to look up the name of it. But he's he's part of an Yui? order. Yes. Yui is his name. Yep. But he's part of an order um, of doctors that are basically brainwashed uh it's sort of like how, uh, you know, Hippocrates oath is like first do no harm. Mm. So these doctors are brainwashed. So they, they literally cannot do harm. Right. So he is not suspected of being a possible traitor right. or assassin because it's literally supposed to be impossible. And that uh, works to his benefit because he knows exactly how much poison to give them. Oh, or yeah. not a poison. Um, how much... I don't remember what it was to knock them out. Yeah, he basically dr drugs them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't find the name. But anyways, uh, so he's part of this order. And so no one suspects him. But what happens is um, the Harkonnen have kidnapped his wife. And they found out that th that love, that connection that he has with her is the only thing strong enough to break his coding. Mm -hmm. So uh, he basically has been manufacturing like running things from inside the house to undermine them and to create this situation where he's able to drug um paul lady jessica and most importantly the duke, duke leto. leto and while duke leto is conscious but not, unable to move he tells him that he's replacing one of his teeth yep. with uh, a poison gas capsule yep and he says like listen it's done you're gonna die yeah. But the one thing I'm able to do for you is I will promise to protect Lady Jessica and your son, Paul, mm -hmm. and get them out of here. And I'm also going to give you the opportunity to kill Harkonnen. Yes. Uh, who is just, I mean, he's a big, gross villain. Jeff. Yeah. What did you think of, uh, what's his name, Baron Harkonnen, Baron Va Vladimir Harkonnen? Did you get his description? Yeah, he was just like, I just pictured him as like a fat slob. Mm. It's like 
kind of just like yeah, a, even in the spark notes that's what they describe yeah just as, like a fat, a fat cat guy. just like yeah. a greedy just like slimy trump-esque character yeah but he's literally so fat that he has to wear a robotic suit oh yeah yeah that like holds suspenders him up. yeah yeah they it's call cool. it a suspension suit but the way i've seen it described is sort of like an exoskeleton like sta- like scaffolding just to hold his body up and walk <laughs> um almost like you know Goals. edge of tomorrow <laughs> that tom yeah. tom cruise movie where they're in those exoskeletons right. supposed to be like that he's also uh a pedophile and like a sadistic pedophile i, I said trump-esque yeah you're yeah. just being redundant so he like <laughs> rapes and tortures young boys specifically young boys who look like paul atreides oh so that's that's got the 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 growing factors of a good villain there yeah that's cool and so uh duke leto uh wakes up and he's with uh uh Harkonnen mm-hmm. and his guards and his mentat and he bites down on the tooth but Harkonnen gets away. Yeah, he does. He doesn't kill him. Yeah. And also um Paul and Lady Jessica are taken into the desert mm-hmm. and tried to be killed by uh sandworms. Yep. I don't remember by who. The Harkonnen guards. Oh, okay. So their whole thing was like um Again, uh, Dr. Yui set this whole situation up. He was like, oh, the cleanest way to get rid of them is to leave them in the desert. There'll never be any proof, blah, 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 blah. Uh, But he had basically like set the whole thing up so that they would be able to escape. Mm -hmm. But he had pre-cut like some of their bindings and stuff like that. Mm. And the way it happened was Paul was not gagged. His mother was. But Paul had to use the voice. Right. Did you catch this, Which was really cool. Oh, Oh, really? This is this, this is, is one of the coolest parts of the book. This is one, I don't remember. This is one of the superpowers of the Bene Gesserit. Yeah. He's basically can Doing like do mind spell. control. Yeah, he can use a certain tone in his voice to get people to do what he wants. Cool. Yeah, and Lady Jessica was like, I don't know if that's the right pitch, but I think that's fine. That should do it. Yeah. So Stuff he wasn't like able to control all of them, but he was able to get one of them to unloose his mother's gag. Yeah. And she's more experienced with the voice, and the way she did it was super cool because it's not just like boring, like kill him. It's mm-hmm. like you have to like convince them. There's like innuendo. Yeah. So she was like, the last thing you need to do is fight each other over me. And she just like started going on this thing. It's like, oh, boys, I'm not worth it and all this stuff. And they ended up like fighting and killing mm-hmm. each other. And uh, behind them was Duncan Idaho, who we haven't really gotten into. But he's this like swashbuckler type person. Yeah. Indiana he's Jones. part of their uh, family's guard. And he like sort of uh, follows them and gets them uh, out to a rocky outcrop and when we leave lady jessica and paul they're like sort of camping out uh the theory is that maybe they will be able to find a safe place with the fremen Mm -hmm. who duncan idaho idaho has like sort of become part of uh but through this whole process of the death of his father uh paul has been awakened yep and we see that uh he is coming to terms with the fact that he may be the Kwisat Sadarat, which is their term for like the chosen one. Mm-hmm. It's like a very typical Luke I remember Skywalker that because messianic I, I almost wrote down Kwisanart because I didn't yeah. know Cuisinart. what he said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but basically he, okay, so the Bene Gesserit derive their powers and their abilities by accessing sort of like a hive mind, mm-hmm. like a memory of all prior female Bene Gesserits. Mm-hmm. Well, Paul, because he's a male, is able to tap into every mind, all mm-hmm. females, all males, and just know everything. And because he's a mentat, he can also view portions of the future. And there's also people who says that he has aspects that are similar to the um, the space guild people. The uh, what do they call them? You know, the people who actually like navigate the guild navigators mm-hmm. where they can see the future because he's been exposed to so much spice. So he has this conversation, which is right at the end of where I had you guys read with Lady Jessica that says, like, um, we're so ingrained in this planet now we, without even realizing we've become addicted to spice. Yeah. Now we're out here in the desert where we're literally being flooded with spice just in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And it's had an effect on him. Yeah. And he can now see the future and the past. He's like all knowing. And he sees two possible outcomes for his future. One of them ends with him confronting the Baron Harkonnen, Mm -hmm. who he reveals is his grandfather. (gasps) Because Lady Jessica was raised by the Bene Gesserit. She didn't know her parentage. 
she is the illegitimate daughter of Baron Harkonnen. That's yeah. why they wanted her to marry Duke Leto. Yeah. To try to bring those two bring feuding together. families Yo, together. They ripped this off of Star Wars. And Romeo and Juliet. I mean, <laughs> a lot of things here. Star Wars. Yeah. Just the one. Yeah. <laughs> the, the first one. Let's but anyways, an other possible future is Paul leading an intergalactic jihad. Which is him basically cool. leading a massive army throughout the galaxy, just conquering and destroying everything. Cool. And he wants to avoid cool. that. Oh, yeah. Well, not, cool. not that not cool. Not very then. cool at all. Well, he doesn't want to lead to like trillions of dead people. <laughs> well, we should also say, cool. I mean, there's a lot of intrigue in this, but one thing oh, that yeah. I think is worthy of noting because it becomes bigger towards the end of this novel is that the Harkonnens didn't do this uprising themselves. They didn't coordinate all this. Mm. They didn't take back the capital city of Atakin by themselves. Atakin. They Boatin. were working with uh, forces contributed by the emperor. So the emperor basically sent his own uh, fighting soldiers who were like these elite. Um, no, I'm trying to find it. And I'm never going to find it. Uh, he's try. He sent his elite soldiers to uh, to Eric. Eric, what is it called again? <laughs> You'll work it out. You don't that need was the one names. of the funniest. Yeah. <laughs> I wish people could have saw that. I, my brain <laughs> yeah. is just done. There's too many words. I don't know. He, this is the first time he's even looking at his phone. He just knows all this shit in his head. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Damn. Oh, the Sudakar? Is that what it is? Anyway. Teleron Riyadh. Okay, so the Emperor sends his army to back up the Harkonnens. So really what Paul realizes is like, hey, defeating the Harkonnens is not going to be enough. This is the emperor moving against the Atreides. Yeah. He's basically decided the Atreides have gotten too big for their britches, and he set this whole thing in motion just to destroy them. So Paul realizes that he basically has two options. He can sort of live out his life as a nobody, or if he wants to reclaim his ancestral seat, he can't just stop the Harkonnen. He's going to have to fight the whole empire. Oh, yeah. And that's sort of where we left it. Yeah. And then he marries a shy Halud. <laughs> That'll be cool. Okay. Doesn't happen. But he has this realization about his future. He says, they will call me Muad'Dib. Muad'Dib. Which we will find out more about in the future. So just looking up online, Muad'Dib in Fremen means kangaroo rat. Yep. But it also means other things. Yeah, yeah. Cool. You're going to find out all about that. You shall call me kangaroo rat. Jeff, do you want to give your overall thoughts first? Overall or thoughts. Should I start with the cons or the pros first? I don't it's know. Up it's up to you guys. What do you want to? What do you want to hear first? Hear the cons because we might have the same cons. Dense, oftentimes confusing. Uh, a lot of unrememberable names or like mm. nouns. Um, like we have Paul and Jessica. That's a little bit too simple. Like, all right, yeah, there's a Paul and a Jessica. I guess names continue. Like, we have old names now yeah. and new names. Um, but it's just, it was hard to follow. Maybe reading it would have been a little bit different, so I'm not going to... I Well, I would say I'm not going to shit on it, but having just, like, looked up some information online, even in, like, Cliff Notes or Spark Notes, mm-hmm. people shit on it. Like, it is a very dense, confusing book. Um and personally, it was hard to follow at some points. Pros, I love the world that was built. There was a lot of just like vivid paintings in my head of mm-hmm. uh, the scenes that they were setting up. And like even the action, the minimal action we did see this time was done really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it described like the, the Shai Halud or just like even the characters like with their deep eyes very well the descriptions of even like the smells of the melange or the spices were done super well so and there is a lot of like dan mentioned in the first part of this setting up for um franchises that were inspired by this like i saw so much of multiple franchises Mm -hmm. and by the way i don't know if i got to this in the first part but this is its own franchise so we have several sequel novels yeah i I did i did read that later and his son took over after his passing children of dune yeah that's what you mean the writer the writer writer, yeah so um yeah there's there's a lot of pros (laughs) <laughs> pros <laughs> get it uh there, there are a lot of things i really did enjoy about this and there's some things that were a struggle at times but that's that's what i'll say right now all right 
Uh, so my overall thoughts are pretty similar. Um, pretty, pretty similar. similar. Um, a lot of the, uh, like I said, I think it was to my detriment that I, I listened to it instead of read it. And just in the the fact that I was listening to it while driving, so I couldn't necessarily like pay attention all the time. Um, like Jeff was talking about, it is very dense and there's a lot of words that I don't recognize and you have to sort of figure it out. And like, I did have to do a, a lot of research to sort of like figure out what was happening and, and all of that. Um, pros again, as Jeff was saying too, like, I love the world that it's set in. Um, it's very, uh, it's very rich with lore. Yeah, the um, political intrigue too. I'm I'm a sucker for that yeah. kind of stuff. I do like it, but this was really It does dense feel sometimes. a lot like Game of Thrones in space, um, which I'm <laughs> definitely down with. Mm. Um it's funny because I was looking up like comparisons between this and Game of Thrones, and some people are like, nah, it's not like a sort uh, a song of uh, ice and fire that much. And I'm like, it kind of is. Um, especially with like the houses and um yeah. And um, just the way that they're fighting with swords and stuff, you know, I mean, like, yeah, they have shields, which are kind of cool, too. But yeah, by the way, we should mention when I said shields, they're not like metal shields. No, they're like uh, like force fields. Yeah, that goes around your whole body. Yeah, which is really interesting. It should make for some interesting fight scenes in the movie, too, because the way you defeat the shield with a blade is to move slowly. Oh, yeah. If you attack fast, the shade, the (laughs) shield will repel it. Yeah. So like they say, like, you shouldn't use the point. You should just like smoothly slide the oh, blade across. Interesting. Some, should make for some really slow, boring action scenes. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say if I was, I, I'm not going to say like, just because I'm interested in seeing the movie doesn't necessarily mean I'm interested in Dune. Itself. Oh, I agree. Um, but I am definitely going to see the movie because I feel like I need to see any movie with any of Lady Bird's boyfriends. <laughs> so, uh, so I have a final push for you guys. Yeah. I've sort of alluded to this. Um, I, I will say that, I would have given you guys this whole book if I didn't think there'd be a massive rebellion. And oh, there would have been possibly the yeah. end of talk me into. <laughs> yeah, because like oh, and obviously I couldn't jump around and give you like chapter three. You'd be like, what is this language? Right. Uh, so I had to start here. But if I was going to describe where you're at versus what's left in this book, I would say we've set the pieces on the chessboard and now they're going to play chess. It, it feels a lot like we read like a. Uh, eight hour prologue yeah so now you can see what's going to happen you've got um sort of this last member of a powerful house in exile who's going to try to raise his army and come back to his position of power yeah within that you also have this hero's journey this Mm -hmm. uh figure chosen one sort of thing and you've got all this intrigue of a government who's waging a shadow war against a lesser house and stuff. So there's a a lot of layers and it's all going to culminate in a lot of action. This book goes right until the end. Mm -hmm. As I was reading this, I kept waiting for like some big denouement and there's not, it literally like there's action right until the end. You also have some, was this originally released what we read as one book? No. Okay. There was, so books one, two and three were released as a novel. Yes. Okay. this, This was all Dune. Okay. Um, there was segments of what you read released in that analog magazine. Yeah. Okay. I was just confused how it was originally meant to be consumed. Yeah, no, it was meant to be consumed. What you read As plus the two novel. other books. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, that's sort of my push besides the action. You're also going to get like so much of what my favorite part is, which the only real world building that you haven't seen a lot is we're going to get all the Fremen culture. Mm. which is really good and you're going to see some really interesting ties to um our current society um because the fremen were the people who left earth to live on arrakis for religious freedom oh oh i don't want that i didn't know that. i don't need it so so yeah it's uh it's really interesting um all right i'm just gonna ask you guys ask us the question ask us the question ask Ask us us the the question. question okay fine i will jeff and jimmy was I able to talk you into Dune? <gasps> yes. Wow. I'm shocked. I thought it was going to be a no from both of you. Really? Uh, so I'm saying, so Jimmy said that he's just talking, his, his answer is dependent on the book, whether he's going to read more, not the movie. Yeah. My yes is more as I like what I heard enough that I want to watch the movie. Whereas before I was like, 
yeah, that movie looks fine. I guess I'll see it sometime. But now I'm looking forward to actually see the movie. Yeah. Um, and this this podcast, yes and no's are tough because right. should I blame? Should I blame how I consume this Sorry. book? As Jimmy pulls the table away from all of us, <laughs> should I should I blame how I consume this book on the book itself or how I consumed it? But also, right. you have the question of, well, am I actually going to sit down and read this book? Mm the physical copy that's a no will i listen to it in the future at normal speed and not 1.7 speed maybe uh, i might this is the first thing that i've ever listened to an audiobook for where i cannot listen to it faster than one speed things oh, really things go by too fast i listened at 1.3 i think I, ch- I changed it and then as i got down to crunch time i was like ah, i gotta go up i encourage <laughs> you guys i encourage you guys to finish the book off at one speed now that, that you're not that's under the other thing crunch. too so like i didn't do too much talking here dan he's just he's like rain man he just knows all this stuff <laughs> but like i did enjoy half of what, what i said I is probably wrong and i missed a lot of stuff <laughs> i i did enjoy what i heard and like the political intrigue stuff yeah i kind of glossed over it like yeah this is really dense but like it's interesting. I just don't know what to say about it. Mm-hmm. So there, there is a lot of stuff here that I'm intrigued by for sure. And were you, were you politically intrigued by? Oh, that? yeah. Uh, Jimmy, why were you a yes? Um, I was a yes because I was interested in the things that was happening. Um, as I was listening to it, I was like, I don't know what the frig is going on. Yeah, like, there um, were a lot of times when I thought that, too. Yeah. The stuff I did understand. I right. And then um, and then I was reading the spark notes. I was like, oh, that's what happened. I understand why that's happening. Um, so I'm actually going to I don't know if I'm going to do it like sooner rather than later, but I'm going to get the actual book. Yeah. And I'm going to read it um, because I definitely do think that you reading it. <laughs> I think reading it will um, enhance enhance it a lot for me. Um, so that's what I'm planning on doing. Yeah. I mean, uh, let me tell you like my experience with it a little bit now that you've gone through it. So I listened to the audiobook all the way through and I got the broad strokes. I got right. who the characters were. I got the big plot points like so far. Like out you of, just did. And then you exactly. were mad at us about doing. No, but then I re-listened to it this time through and I got a lot more of the fine tuning because I made it a point to, to think about like remember who this character is right. because they're going to be important. Remember what the name of this group is, this event is yeah. and it's it's much more enjoyable so I would encourage you guys to like listen to the rest of the book or read it and uh, and and sort of decide if you want to redo it at some point in the future based on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you'll enjoy the, the end of the book a lot more. Um. I feel like we do well, this a lot. Well, we plus, get, I give you something to watch or listen to, and then I'm like, yeah, but the stuff you didn't is even better. Well, no, I mean, plus you said the action is coming. Yeah. Like, if I enjoyed what little action we did have, then I'll like what's coming. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's really got some really strong moments coming up. There's like, um, I mean, there's stuff in here that becomes really quintessential to the world of Dune that we haven't even touched on yet. Yeah. Oh. Which is interesting. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad I was able to talk you fellas into Dune. I hope you finish it because I'd love to talk to you more about it and get excited for that movie, which should have been released this week. (laughs) Christmas is coming to a town called Talk Me Into. Oh, yeah. Next week, Jimmy and I. Oh, I'm so excited. I know we are. okay. so Talk Me Into began as a way to force each other to like things that we like. We've talked about this before. Yeah, very specifically, Jeff and I really just wanted to talk Dan into Doctor Who. Right, and since we had so much time before, we were like, we're going to make him watch two full seasons, have two full episodes on this. (laughs) Yeah. And Dan was, spoiler alert, talked into Doctor Who. Now, Dan, we recorded that uh, 23 months ago. Yeah. Um, How much more Doctor Who have you watched? Oh, like 12 episodes. Mm, Okay out of 13 seasons almost yeah uh yeah so jimmy and i we have to drill this into dan (laughs) so next week yep we are going to talk dan into doctor who christmas specials oh boy which are released annually for the last 13 years or so yes well there's about 13 about yeah i have a question yes are these going to be serious and have some christmas connections so or are these going to be like super over the top ridiculous we're, we're going to get way more into this next week but we picked specifically christmasy episodes that are not lore heavy yes okay but they're also very standalone and very good 
Yeah. So you is don't going to be need, uh, like a race of alien Santas. Are we no. going to see that no, kind of you, stuff? You don't need to know to you need to know the basics of Doctor Who, which, which I you do. do know at this point. Yes. And if other people don't uh, read a Wikipedia I know article. he's a medical doctor named who Dr. Elias, who? <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah. Yeah. He likes roses. Oh. oh, Dan, where can people find the podcast online? Oh, boy. <laughs> We're on the web at talkmeinto.com. World Wide Web. I don't know why the web just strikes me as something so <laughs> archaic. Yeah, because it is. We're on the SMs, Twitter, at talkmeinto, Instagram, talkmeintopod, Facebook. Yeah, we're on there, too. Uh, YouTube, search for talkmeinto. We're on Patreon. Become a patron. We have a lot of cool stuff on there and way more even bigger things coming down the pipe. Yep. Uh, it's patreon.com slash talk me into. Uh, did I forget anything? I think that's about it. I think that's I'm it. Sure, you got it. Jimmy. Yeah. Where can people find you online? You can find me at son of a fitch, S-O-N-N-E-V-A-F-I-T-C-H on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Jeff, where can people find you online? People can find me on Twitter at J-E-F-F-F-F-F-27. That's Jeff with five Fs, the number 27, on Instagram at large, Heart on Collider. That's my personal one where I post pictures of food and cute things. Dookie. And I don't post Dookie anymore. Oh, okay. That was old Jeff. That was pre-baby Jeff. That was okay. Facebook Jeff. Yeah, yeah. I'm on MySpace a, Jeff. Yeah, I got another uh, Instagram page, Magic the Clippening, where I... Uh, used to frequently post pictures of magic cards with gross fingernails and I did recently and somebody was like that's my picture and I was like you have gross <laughs> nails and then they blocked me <laughs> cool uh, Dan Dan yeah. that's who it was going to yeah I'm on Twitter under the name Danny underscore breakdown where can people find your band oh you could check us out uh, we're on Instagram what's your the- band name old underscore dogs and the old is spelled with an E all day dogs Nope. So the old Deutsch dogs. Yeah, sure. German shepherds. Yeah, and and if you like that little uh, punk rock bed that you just heard, that was us. Yeah, earlier in. Or this maybe you're hearing it now. No, Jimmy. we're making no. Jimmy at it. Yeah, no. no, no, not now. No, it was before, guys. It's over. I've been really wanting to talk you into Dune. I'm happy. We got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Thank you for listening to talk me into. What will we talk you into next? That was a proper ending. Like, that was weird. Like, it was conversational, and it Thank was, you. like, a professional. We weren't just, like, fart joke, fart joke. Yeah. We'll Music talk you into... increases, then decreases, and then outtakes. Yeah. We'll talk you into learning about podcasting. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk to each oh, I haven't messed that up in a long time. Yeah. I did last week. It was funny. My name's Dan. Nope. Nope. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I'm just going to start with this episode because the first part was fine. Yeah. I bought a Charlie Brown t-shirt. Really? End it. End it at that. <laughs> I bought a Charlie Brown t-shirt. Music Nerd. plays up. <laughs> yep. It, w- it didn't have Charlie Brown on it. It was a yellow shirt with oh, the black zigzag That's even stripes. cooler. It was really cool. I wore it for years. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, me too. I'm going to get food after We're almost this. done, right? Yeah. Yep. This is the last one. Fast today. Got to go quick. Guys, I have to say, I got a new match on Tinder. Let's <laughs> see who it is. Right now? <laughs> yeah, it just randomly popped. So? Cool. Why are you so Is she hot? She was okay. Jim. Was that me again? Yeah. Put it on the couch. Put it on silent. What the <laughs> hell is happening? She was probably like, I want your hog. <laughs> This is all going to be at the end. Can I have your Dan, your Dune worm, My your Dan, Dan worm? <laughs> Can I have Dan's worm?